Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I'm one of your hosts. There are two other hosts that are joining me today, of course. Danielson. Ayo. And Anna. Good day, everyone. So before we start today's episode, I just want to say, like always, we do not run any ads on this show or take any money from any corporations. So if you'd like to help us out, then there's a few ways that you could do that. One of the ways is Patreon. For only $5 a month, which is 16 cents a day, you can sign up to our Patreon and get an extra episode each week. These Patreon episodes are exclusive to members only. Today we released a Patreon exclusive episode which is over the most haunted and cursed items in history. Also, we have over 38 extra episodes, which is over 60 extra hours, already locked and loaded for your listening pleasure, such as the Bilderberg Group, Silk Road, CERN, Glitches in the Matrix, the Aerial School UFO Encounter, Disney Darkness, and much more, which you get access to all of them for just 5 bucks a month. Another way to support the show is through merchandise. Just teleport on over to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click on the shop button. Then you can see all the merch we have for sale. T-shirts, hats, all that good stuff. I just wanted to say that the money we get from our Patreon and merchandise sales goes to bettering the show. Also, I know things are tough out there right now, so if you can't afford a shirt or a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes, and that helps us out a ton. If you don't want to leave one, though, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, Ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. Also, one last thing. If any of you would like to reach out to us, then you can shoot us a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Or you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com. You can click the contact button, and there you will find our email addresses, so you can send us an email uh, individually or however you would like. All right, and that is the end of the announcements for today. So today's episode is over the Dybbuk Box. So how this episode will go today is that we will talk about what is the Dybbuk Box, the history behind it, and then we go into current happenings with it, strange facts and findings, and then theories, and of course, wrap it all up with our own personal thoughts and theories. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. In the world of haunted objects, one of the most mysterious objects talked about is the Dybbuk Box. The Dybbuk Box refers to what is supposedly an haunted wine cabinet that contains a trapped evil spirit. This box was purchased from an estate sale and caused many strange and horrifying things to happen to its owners. The stories behind this Dybbuk Box have become so well known that the movie The Possession was made after it. So that begs the question, is this story real or is it just mere coincidence of events? All right. So, of course, just like every topic each week, we're going to dive into the history behind the Dybbuk box. So, Anna, would you like to start that off for us? I'd be happy to. So to understand the history of the Dybbuk box, we first have to know what a Dybbuk is. The word Dybbuk comes from an ancient Hebrew word meaning 
to cling. In Jewish mythology, a dibbuk is a malicious spirit that is believed to be the lost soul of a dead person. Now, instead of this lost soul going to heaven, it becomes trapped in an object and will remain trapped there until someone helps release it. Now that we know what a dibbuk is, let's dive deep into the story of the famous dibbuk box. So what we're about to discuss is a true story that comes from an individual named Kevin Manis. This Dybbuk box information comes directly from him and is collaborated by many individuals who saw and witnessed what happened. So Aaron, do you want to kick us off? Absolutely. So all this starts in September of 2001. Kevin Manis went to an estate sale in Portland, Oregon, The items at this estate sale were from an older woman who had passed away at the age of 103. There at this estate sale, Kevin purchased a wine cabinet along with a sewing box and some other furniture. Before leaving this sale, the granddaughter of the passed away woman approached Kevin and sparked up a conversation. The granddaughter had told Kevin that her grandmother was born and grew up in Poland. There in Poland, her grandmother had married raised a family, and lived there until she was sent to a Nazi concentration camp during World War II. At this concentration camp, her grandmother's parents, brothers, sisters, husband, two sons, and daughter were all killed. Her grandmother was able to escape the camp with some other prisoners and make her way to Spain. She was the only surviving member of their family. The granddaughter then pointed to the wine cabinet and said to Kevin, I see you purchased the Dybbuk box. Kevin responded with, yes. The granddaughter then told Kevin that her grandmother had acquired the small wine cabinet in Spain, and it was one of only three items that she brought with her when she immigrated to the U.S. The granddaughter also told Kevin that when she was growing up, her grandmother always kept that wine cabinet in her sewing room, that it was always shut and set in place that was out of reach that her grandmother always called it the Dybbuk box. When the granddaughter asked her what was inside of it, her grandmother spit three times through her fingers and said, a Dybbuk and Kesselum. The grandmother then said that the wine cabinet was never, ever to be opened. My question is, why did she spit three times through her fingers? Superstition? Spit like this or like... I was thinking like this, but it makes more sense like this. I don't know. A little weird, but whatever. She then said that her grandmother had asked that the box be buried with her. However, because her grandmother had been buried in an Orthodox Jewish burial, that her grandmother's request had not been honored. Kevin then asked the granddaughter what a Dybbuk and Kessling were, but she did not know. He then asked if she would like to open it with him, to which she said no that she did not want to open it at all and that her grandmother had been very serious when she instructed her not to do so. And regardless of the reason, she wanted to honor her grandmother's request. So of course Kevin started to feel bad and ended up telling the granddaughter that she could keep this box because it seemed to have a lot of sentimental value to her, in which she said, no, you bought it. Kevin explained that he didn't want his money back and that it would make him feel better to do an act of kindness. The granddaughter then became somewhat upset and said, You bought it. You made the deal. (laughs) When Kevin tried to speak, the granddaughter yelled, We don't want it. 
and began to cry and asked him to leave. Kevin said that he wrote the experience off as odd, but figured it must have been because of stress and how she was grieving the loss of her grandmother. I mean, which is understandable at that point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So at the time when Kevin had bought this wine cabinet, a.k.a. the Dybbuk box, he had owned a small furniture refinishing business. He decided to take the cabinet to his store, place it in his basement workshop, where he intended to refinish it and give it to his mother as a birthday gift. So after placing the cabinet in his basement, he went to run some errands, leaving one of his employees who did sales at his shop in charge. About a half hour into his errands, Kevin received a phone call. The call was from his employee there at his store. She was absolutely hysterical and screaming that someone was in the workshop breaking glass and swearing. She also said that the intruder had locked the iron security gates and the emergency exit and she couldn't get out. Kevin told her that he would call the police, but all of a sudden his cell phone battery went dead. Kevin immediately stopped running his errands and drove back to his shop. When he arrived, he found the gates locked. After unlocking them, he went inside and found his employee on the floor in the corner of his office, crying hysterically. Kevin then ran to the basement to try and find the intruder. Upon reaching the bottom of the stairs, he was hit by an overpowering odor of cat urine. Which is odd because he didn't have any pets in or around in his shop. Kevin tried turning on the lights, but they didn't work. All of the light bulbs in the basement were broken. The nine light bulbs and ten four-foot fluorescent tubes were all lying shattered on the floor. Kevin looked throughout the basement, but did not find an intruder or any evidence of one besides the broken light bulbs. He also said that there was only one entrance to the basement, which would have made it impossible for anyone to leave without meeting him head on. You think somebody ran down there, smashed light bulbs, pissed everywhere, and left? <laughs> what are they doing? Eating cat food smelling like cat piss? <laughs> I don't have a cat. I don't know what cat piss smells like, but I, I just think of something terrible like eating a bunch of asparagus. Straight up ammonia. Yeah, so you know when you know. Ooh. If you don't get to your litter box in a couple days, you'll know. Ooh, that's a strong smell, man. Yeah. So after searching the basement and not finding anyone, Kevin went back to speak with his employee, but she had already left. He tried calling her, but she refused to discuss what had happened. She quit and refused to return to the shop. Just a side note, Kevin did say at this time he never thought of the events of that day having anything to do with the Dybbuk box, that it was only later until he connected the two. I mean, I would think that I would have put two and two together. This weird box shows up in my shop, and now all of a sudden I'm having weird stuff happening. Well, Kevin, uh, he doesn't really connect the two. All right, so like we mentioned earlier, Kevin had decided to give the cabinet to his mother as a birthday gift. About two weeks after purchasing it is when he decided to start refinishing it. When starting to refinish it, Kevin, of course, decided to open it. When he did, he noticed that the cabinet had a unique little mechanism. When you open one of the doors, the mechanism causes the opposite door and the little drawer below to open at the same time. Inside of the cabinet were a few items. A 1928 U.S. wheat penny, a 1925 U.S. wheat penny, a small lock of blonde hair bound with a string, one lock of black and brown hair 
bound with a string as well. One small granite statue engraved with the Hebrew letters that spell out the word shalom, which means peace, or also could be used as saying hello or goodbye. Also found in the cabinet was one dried rosebud, one golden wine cup, and one black cast iron candlestick holder with octopus legs. Of course, after finding these items in the cabinet, Kevin placed them in a box and tried to return them to the estate. However, the family refused the items and told Kevin that they were included with the sale of the cabinet. After finding these items and looking the cabinet over, Kevin decided not to refinish it, but instead just clean it. He took some lemon oil and started cleaning the inside of it. While cleaning it, Kevin noticed that there was a Hebrew inscription of Shema carved into the back of the cabinet. And just a little, little note here, Shema is a Jewish prayer. Okay, moving on. So of course, Kevin didn't think much of the inscription. He finished cleaning it and got it ready to give to his mother for her birthday gift. Kevin's mother came to his shop, where they were planning on going to have lunch together. But before they left, Kevin decided to give her her gift, the wine cabinet. Now what happens next? We figured would be best if it was told by Kevin and his mother. So we have a three-minute audio clip of them telling us their story and what happened that day. So we'll take a listen to that right now. So my mom's birthday is on October 28th, and uh, we were going to go have lunch and, and do something else. And on that day, she came down to the shop uh, quite early before I was open. Happy birthday, Mom. <laughs> there was a small little display area of, of some, some furniture, and, and uh, so she sat down. And he said, this is an unusual present for you. In the past, I have gotten strange gifts. Not a wine cabinet, but, you know, strange gifts. My husband used to give me plaid coats every single birthday. He knew I hated plaid and that I would return the coat and get something that I liked. Kevin, there's a call for you. Okay. And he went downstairs. I looked at the box and... It's, it was as though the box was looking back at me. The doors opened, and it was just like a cold breeze coming out. I can't describe it. Just pure evil. I couldn't run away. I couldn't get up. I couldn't, I couldn't get away from it. I knew. I knew it was having a stroke. My mouth uh, contorted, just start to sag, and my eye pocketed. Mrs. Menace? Kevin? Am I gonna make it? Is this death? And my thought was, Kevin is downstairs, am I gonna die before I see my son? Is he gonna know? Am I gonna make it? Mom. I was frozen. I couldn't leave. 
Okay, they're here now. It was only me that could tell because she didn't have enough ability to express herself, but you could see the terror in her eyes. And I wanted to, I had to communicate to him to protect him. And it was almost impossible to do. Having a stroke, you can't, you can't write, you can't talk. All the communication was through her eyes, but so her eyes were kind of wandering, and yet you could tell, you could tell that she was pleading to get something out, to say something. The one thing I wanted to do was to impress upon him how important it was that he get rid of the box. It's pretty intense, huh? It was just people need to watch that video, like seeing her reaction in it. It's crazy. It is. What an experience. Did they close the box before she left? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I assume so, because you're going to find out what happens to the box. Kevin's kind of a dick. Great. My question is, why didn't he take any of the stuff out of it? Why did he give her all this random shit inside of it as well? I guess it came, came with a box. He's like, look, you're going to get this lock of blonde hair, whether you like it or not, yo, bitch. I mean, no, for real, they're like, Okay, lots of blunt, like hair, this random, you know, candlestick and all that. Okay, if we learned anything from Midsomar, if there's hair in something, don't eat it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't if touch never it. Seen the, if you've ever seen the movie Midsomar, go watch it. And uh, don't eat a pie with hair in it. And if your orange juice looks a little darker than normal, don't drink it. Ugh, yeah. Yeah. I was blessed to watch uh, Midsomar with Aaron Anand. Hans during the weekend. That was a very interesting movie. It was. It, it gave us ideas for the future we want to, together. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. So who who's next? I think it's me. Yeah. Now, even though that happened, Kevin still didn't associate it with the box. His mother, of course, didn't want it, so he gave the cabinet to his sister. Kevin's sister kept it for a week and then gave it back. She complained that she couldn't get the doors to stay closed and that they kept coming open. Kevin then gave it to his brother and his wife, who kept it for three days, then gave it back. His brother said that it smelled like jasmine flowers, while his wife insisted that it smelled like cat urine. How many people have to give it back to you before you realize there's something weird about it, okay? Apparently it doesn't click with Kevin. Yeah, I was going to say, apparently it's not enough because... After dishing it out to his whole family, he then decides none of them want it. I'll give it to someone I love tremendously. His girlfriend. Who only after two days told him to sell the thing. So he placed it back in his shop for sale and a middle-aged couple came in and purchased it. Three days later, when he came to open the shop for the day, he found the cabinet sitting at the front doors with a note that read, This has bad darkness. Kevin didn't think much of it and decided to take it home with him. Oh my God. I just want to smack <sighs> this guy so hard. Yeah. You know who he reminds me of? The one guy when we were doing the Ouija board episode, even though he got like his, I think his girlfriend got possessed and stuff, he still kept going to do the Ouija board. Mm -hmm. Wasn't that the yep. Z episode? Yes, it was the Z episode. Yeah, because he kept yeah. contacting him. He's like, this is normal. Every time I get it out, he comes. Like, ugh. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get, every time you get it out, it comes. Yeah. <laughs> That's good, Dan. Good, good. That sexual harassment against Anna. How dare you say that to her? You guys, it ain't. I like it. Bring it, boys. All right. So after Kevin took the Dubuque box, or a.k.a. wine cabinet, back home with him, he started having a strange recurring nightmare. He stated that every time he would have the horrible dream, that it would usually go something like this. I find myself walking with a friend, usually someone I know well and trust at some point in the dream. I find myself looking into the eyes of the person that I am with. It is then that I realize that there is something different, something evil looking back at me. At that point in my dream, the person I am with changes into what can only be described as the most gruesome, demonic-looking hag that I've ever seen. This hag proceeds then to beat the living tar out of me. After these dreams, Kevin finds numerous bruises and marks on himself, where he said he was hit by an old woman during the nightmare. Still, even with all of this occurring, Kevin said that he never related the nightmares to the cabinet, or aka the Dubuk box. So a few weeks after placing the cabinet in his house, Kevin's sister and his brother and his wife came over to his house to spend the night. The following morning, during breakfast, his sister complained that she had a horrible nightmare. She said that she recalled having had it a couple of times before and went on to describe Kevin's nightmare exactly to the last detail. Kevin's brother and his wife froze as they listened and then chimed in that they had both had the same exact dreams during the night as well. Kevin then told them about his dream and decided to call his girlfriend and asked if she could recall having any nightmares recently. She described the same nightmare, same hag, everything. It was at this moment when Kevin started connecting the cabinet to all of these weird occurrences that were happening. About damn time. Oh. Man. For a week after his family left, Kevin started seeing what he described as shadow things in his peripheral vision. He decided to put the cabinet in an outside storage unit to see if that would make the nightmares and weird happenings go away. However, in the middle of the night, the smoke alarm in the storage unit went off. When Kevin went to see what was burning, he opened the door and didn't see any smoke. Instead, he was hit with the smell of cat urine. He grabbed the cabinet, took it into his home to try and find any information about it on the internet. Upon waking up the next morning, Kevin stated that his house now smelled like jasmine flowers. At this point, Kevin put the cabinet on eBay. Yes, eBay, where you sell stuff. Hoping someone who knew more about the paranormal would take it off his hands and know what to do with it. On the eBay item listing, Kevin stated, I would destroy this thing in a second, except I really don't have any understanding of what I may or may not be dealing with. I am afraid, and I do mean afraid, that if I destroy the cabinet, whatever it is that seems to have come with this cabinet may just stay here with me. I have been told that there are people who shop on eBay that understand these kinds of things and specifically look for these kinds of items. If you are one of these people, please, please buy this cabinet and do whatever you do with a thing like this. Help me. 
you can see that I have no reserve price or minimum bid. If I can make things easier, let me know, and I will do everything within my abilities. So finally, in June of 2003, a University of Missouri student named Losev Nishik purchased the cabinet. Only eight months later, Losev put it back up for sale on eBay, stating that he and his roommates suffered from insomnia and illnesses in the presence of the dreaded item. Losev was able to sell it for $280 to an individual named Jason Haxton, who had heard about this cabinet from a student who was also one of Losev's roommates. Oh, great. So this thing is in freaking Missouri. Awesome. So, <laughs> upon receiving the box, Jason claims to have experienced paranormal activity in the presence of it. He experienced welts, hives, and even coughed up blood. Jason also stated that while he has had the box, he has seen strange lights and shadows. Now, we do have a quick audio clip of Jason talking about the box, which, as always, we're going to play right now. Within just uh, the same day of receiving this, I've had very good health all my life and all kinds of very intense, very sudden, and, and very strong uh, health problems came towards me uh, to the degree that I actually thought that someone might have coated this with cyanide. Jason Haxton owns the box now. That's not it beside him either. Just a perfect replica. The real one? It is stored uh, now, again, away from people, uh, kind of in one of those quiet, dark places. The museum director in Missouri has taken great care to understand and to solve the malevolent mystery he acquired seven years ago. Again, uh, there is, I think, a source of energy that could be explained both scientifically and possibly spiritually. All these different people want access to it, and um, that in itself tells me there's something going on here um, that is somewhat amazing. Jason has put the Dybbuk box to rest for now. For the whole time that I had this, I never wanted it near uh, my home. Enclosed in an ark made of acacia wood and lined with 24 karat gold, a process he learned through his research. Like Kevin, Jason admits there's something very alive about the Dybbuk box. Since that interview, Jason did say that he didn't get much help in figuring out the truth behind the box and decided to place it in a military-grade shockproof container and bury it somewhere that is well-hidden and will not be discovered. So he pulled a Jumanji on it. It always comes mm -hmm. back up, don't it, though? Mm-hmm. <sighs> now, we gotta say that this isn't the end of the story about this box. No, it is not. So were either of you familiar with the TV show Ghost Adventures? Yes. Hell yeah, I used to watch the shit out of that show. Zach is an asshole to his yeah. buddies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the main dude on that show, Zach Baggins. Well, he opened up a museum located in Las Vegas where he displays hundreds of supposedly haunted artifacts from all over the world. Zach actually contacted Jason Haxton and they eventually came to an agreement and Zach was able to purchase this Dybbuk box from him. So once in Zach's possession, the box was placed on display in his museum. And shortly following its arrival, mysterious protruding holes began to appear in the walls around the artifact, as if something was trying to break out from within the exhibit. Now, a Las Vegas marketing executive and Baggins both witnessed a black cloaked figure 
pass through the exhibit's closed door during a private tour. Of course, for entertainment value, Zach decided to record himself opening the Dybbuk box. After opening the box, Zach said, and I quote, The scariest moment for me is what I saw and felt. We captured on camera an unbelievable mist coming out of the box that manifested eyes. Zach then stated that he saw the Dybbuk entity crouching down towards the wall behind the box. Zach then returned the Dybbuk box to its display case and demanded that the entity return to the box. Three days after filming this, Zach went on social media and revealed that one of the individuals on his show, Billy, that his family dog suddenly passed away. Zach then went on to say, We do not think this was connected to or caused by the Dybbuk box, but because of the coincidental timing, we thought it was very important to inform our viewers of the disturbing information. And that was that. The Dybbuk box remains in its display case in Las Vegas at this haunted museum. Yep. Now that is the history and story of the Dybbuk box. So let's get into some strange facts and findings. We had a couple of those. So the first one we're going to talk about, if there's any more of these Dybbuk boxes out there. Well, apparently there is. So upon us doing the research for this topic this week, we found out that there are actually 10 Dybbuk boxes around the world. Now, keep in mind, uh, this is according to Kevin Manis, the guy who originally found the first one at the estate sale, which we just talked about. Kevin stated that the original Dybbuk box was one of 10 created by the original woman of the estate sale. That eight of the 10 boxes are accounted for, two of them, which are located in Zach's museum. Which, looking into that, it's true because Zach does state that he has two Dybbuk boxes that are made by the same person, but doesn't state who exactly. Now, Kevin does say that the whereabouts of the two remaining boxes are unknown. So, there's Mm. two more floating around there. And you may go to your grandmother's house and find out she has one. So, good luck with that. Grandmama, why do you have this box? To haunt you with my child. <laughs> I'm really surprised that Zach doesn't have more problems because he would taunt spirits so bad in that show. And I know we had like the smallest little glimpse of what happens when you f*** around with that stuff. And we yeah. were and it wasn't even that intense. This guy straight calls them out. And somehow he's still, I mean, he could be possessed walking around. and He's getting he all this. could be their messenger, right? Yeah. He's getting all this haunted stuff put into the same place to grow this negative energy and be able to do something with it. Watch, we're going to have like a portal open up above his shop and then all of a sudden a demon's going to come out. and We're going to have to battle it. Yes. We're going to get dressed up like Elder Scrolls and, you know, armor and have a big battle axe. You can call me Ragnar Lothbrook. Oh, you're already prepared for this. Yeah. Vikings. Oh, is that a guy on the show? Oh, yeah. He's, he's a badass. Okay. Dude, Aaron, I saw so much stuff for Vikings at Books A Million. I was, I was going to, like, start sending you pictures. I'm just like, no, because Aaron will probably go right to Books A Million and start trying to buy shit. I thought Cobra Kai was good, and I thought Game of Thrones was okay. Breaking Bad's pretty damn good, but Vikings, I'm probably, I, I am into it so much. It is my favorite show of all time right now. God, it's so good. This is not a paid ad. I was so into Spartacus when it first started, but then it kind of just like went off. I love the whole sword fighting thing, so I'm about to probably get back into Vikings again. 
Yeah, I'm going to have to sword fight you. <laughs> I only have a shield. All right, so what's the next strange fact in finding? Well, Zach might not be getting possessed or have anything happen to him, but people around him does do, of course. This next strange fact that we are going to talk about involves Post Malone. What? Now, if you don't know who he is, basically he is a very successful singer-songwriter in the United States. So Post Malone went on a late-night talk show and shared his story of his encounter with a Dybbuk box. And of course, we have that clip, and we're going to play that for you right now. Uh, so Post, I want to ask about this as well. I know that you are a believer in uh, the supernatural. I, it's not that I'm not. I just have never encountered anything that has made me uh, a skeptic. But are you someone who, I know you were on Ghost Hunters, and was that an experience that made you, uh, do, is your belief in ghosts stronger after doing that? Yeah, I think, you know, after going on, um, uh, you know, going hunting with Zach and everything and, and all that stuff. And we stayed at his museum in Vegas. Uh, I love you, Zach. Uh, text me. Um, but, and so is you Zach, know, Zach gets a spot in the bunk room? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, Zach, Zach Bagans is definitely in here because if we need to fight off any demons or anything after the apocalypse, there's going to be a whole bunch of them running around. So, But, you know, it's, it's, it's weird because after we opened up this creepy, creepy Dybbuk box, I had gotten a car accident. I got in, like, almost had a plane wreck. My house got broken into, all that type of stuff. But it was just within a month's time. It was really, really odd stuff. But I've always had, like, you know, an interest in that and have had experience at my friend's house and things. But. All right. So what do you think of that? Coincidence or influenced by whatever is around this Dybbuk box? I don't believe in coincidences. Uh, no, it's kind of crazy for all that to happen within a month's time of being there with opening the Dybbuk box. Mm-hmm. A little, little strange. Yeah. But uh, what he was talking about, the bunk room, Post Malone's having a supposed bunker built underneath his house in Utah. Hmm. Because he's getting ready for the apocalypse. Well, like you well, said, there's going to be demons and shit running around because our next war isn't going to be what you think. It's going to be a spiritual war. And he already knows it. Them fucking Hollywood people, man. Those famous people, they know. They're preparing. Yep. Yeah, you know how, like, you know, we were talking about the pressure and stuff on songwriters and stuff. That's like one reason why he moved back to Utah. He's just saying, you know, being, you know, in California and all that is just the pressure and just the atmosphere and all that. He moved back to Utah to where he could be secluded and, you know, in his own, you know, safe place, relax and all that. So makes sense. Smart man. All right. So uh, what's this last strange fact and finding we got, Dan? This last one is just something random I found when I was reading on a bunch of sites. Is I've never heard of Usenet groups, but supposedly there was an underground community that traded Dybbuk boxes in the 1990s, but there's like no articles ever reported about these Usenet groups trading these Dybbuk boxes. Because pretty much the only, like the first account is Kevin Manis and his Dybbuk box. But supposedly there's a whole, you know, underground community that already knew about these. And they were trading them back and forth and shit. Why would you trade them? Just to see what each one, I guess each one has a different spirit attached to it. I guess Kevin's had like a hag, an old lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Weird. All right. 
So I guess it hops us into theories. Yeah, it does. Pretty much. And you know, I know we have skeptics out there, so definitely we're going to talk about how this could just be fake, right? Could this all just be fake? Well, according to a post from a Reddit user, they claim to be a creative writer just like Manus is and believes that the whole Dybbuk box story is fabricated. He supposedly is mixing Jewish mythology, culture, and folklore into his hoax. Quote, There's no such thing as a Dybbuk box in Jewish folklore. The first one to exist, and the one that Zach owns, is a wine cabinet that popped up on eBay in 2003. It went viral after Manis added a horror story to the listing about having bought it at an estate sale of an elderly Jewish woman. On October 24th, 2015, on the Haunt Me Facebook page, Kevin posted this, quote, I am the original creator of the story of the Dybbuk box, which appeared as one of my eBay posts back in 2003. The idea that Dybbuk boxes have some kind of history prior to my story and the idea that a Dybbuk box could contain anything other than a Dybbuk, along with any deviation to the type of content I created to be found inside of a Dybbuk box, is laughable at best. How about this? If you or anyone else can find reference to a Dybbuk box anywhere in history prior to my eBay post, I'll pay you $100,000 and tattoo your name on my forehead. If that was really him posting that, then that kind of right there makes it seem that like he, fa- like he fabricated the whole Dybbuk box story. Not saying that Dybbuk's aren't real, but maybe his story isn't real. Yeah. I don't know, man. The one thing that I keep thinking of is his mother. If she was acting, you got to give her a friggin' Oscar, right? Yeah. She, she invoked me to cry watching that video. Like, I felt all of that. And it's not easy to fake an emotion to me. I felt that that was real. In the other episode, we do talk about how eBay has a specific side for haunted items. So... Maybe this guy knew about that and just wanted to take advantage of it. But to me, all these people that were affected by the box, his mom having a dramatic change in her life, shows to me that something was real. But then, of course, you backtrack into how did he not see all these signs before? Because, if again, I'm playing on devil's advocate. Let's say that it is fake. He never put two and two together because he was making it up as he went. Because to me, if you give this box to six people and they all give it back to you, if you aren't putting two and two together that there's something wrong with this box and you still give it to people, then yeah, you could be just trying to create a story, make a couple bucks off of this thing online, telling people it was haunted. What if he knew it was haunted the entire time and he thought maybe I could just give it to one of my family members and that spirit would attach itself to them. He has no heart. And each time he would get it back, he would think maybe it's not there anymore, but it is. Well, then I think that whatever spirit was in there should come back at him tenfold for trying to pawn a spirit off on family instead of just finding a professional to try to rid this spirit of whatever... I mean, there's people that know what they're doing with this stuff. I'm not one of them. I don't f*** with this stuff. This is... I would not even walk into a room with one of this, these boxes in it. I guess that kind of goes into our next theory, which is uh, the Dubuque box is real. 
the one that Kevin bought at this estate sale was actually a true that Dybbuk box and contained a Dybbuk, which is the spirit. And um, that's one of the theories. There's one, there's not really much to back it up, but you see like how uh, Jason Haxton had a perfect, almost like a perfect replica of the original Dybbuk box. So I did like read up, people were saying that, you know, it's possible that the first Dybbuk box is real. And then everyone started hopping on the Dybbuk box train, trying to sell fake ones and all that, which I did find a story of a couple that tried to do just that. And I believe it actually ended up backfiring because like what they would do is they would make a bunch of boxes and then they would go to, they looked like look for like haunted places and they would go there and try to summon like an evil spirit to trap it in the box and then sell it. Ghostbusters now? Sounds like fun. Yeah. Mm-mm. So it was, it was interesting and you know, it's just like, mm. I really don't believe that one too much, but I had to throw it in there just for the fact that people were trying to make a quick penny off of it. And they do. Um, we do have like in the other episode where we talk about paintings and there's some people who wanted to do prints of the painting and sell them because people would say just looking at the picture gave them these problems, blah, blah, blah. And so people were, the person who originally had it wasn't going to sell the original. They were going to sell prints of the original and make money off of it continually and always have the original. But they ultimately did end up selling the original. But we'll talk more about that in the other episode. Yeah. Go nets on our Patreon. For $5 a month. Yep, on haunted and cursed items. So I have a theory. What if Go for it. the family, they were witches, and they were like, we need to get rid of some spirits that we've trapped, and that old lady hid the hag. Or wait, 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 hold on, let me back it up. What if that hag that he's seen in his nightmares is that old lady who didn't get buried with that box, who passed away, and she's attacking people saying, hey, I want my box back. Ooh, I like that, Aaron. I like that. Because that was one of her requests. She wanted, that was her way was. to rest peacefully. Ooh, I like that a lot. They, they honored only part of her request when mm-hmm. she, you know, passed away. You know, she could be coming back be like, hey, my box. Yeah, like, put me back. Get me to where I want to go. Take me back and put me in a hole. Like, maybe if someone properly buried her in the way she wanted her request, this would all stop. Yeah, she's not at peace. Mm-mm. Y'all didn't listen to her. Nope. That's a good theory, dude. Damn. Thank you. I just thought of this. Y'all ready for mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Okay. Kevin Manis himself said that there are 10 Divic boxes, right? In the whole world. The old lady, remember how she was sent to the concentration camp with her family? I was counting up her family, how many there were. I'm probably like one, maybe one person off, maybe, possibly. Because if you go back and count, the only thing that throws my count off is that she says brothers. If she had two brothers, it'd be nine. But if she, say, had three, it'd be ten. What if she summoned the souls of her family that passed away in the concentration camp, and those are the spirits that are trapped in the Dybbuk boxes? Damn. God damn, Dan, you gave me chills with that, dude. That dude, would make I was just sense. thinking, just like 10, like 10 boxes. I'm just like, out of everything in the world, why would there just be randomly 10 boxes? Then I was just like, wait a second. 
Her family was sent to the concentration camp. She's the only survivor. Only survivor. You get lonely. Maybe she tried to bring her family, you know, back to her so she wouldn't feel so lonely, but... Dude, like, what if the hair belonged to the family members? Like, for some reason, they had the hair. How many items did she have inside that thing again? But what if it wasn't even to bring them back? What if this was an attempt to haunt Nazi people for doing what they did? Like, maybe... Do you think Kevin Manis might be, well, like, German descent, possibly? Well... His family? When did this box get made? Because I'm thinking the original owner who wanted, like, the one who had the family members die in the Holocaust. Like, that lady who wanted it buried and all that things. I'm, I'm not mistaking people, right? The lady who wanted it buried, wanted, wanted to be buried with it. She was, oh, Dan. The reason she wanted that box buried with her is because her husband was killed in the concentration camp. You know how couples want to be buried together, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was her husband in there. That might have been her husband. But it was an old hag, though. That was her saying, give me back my fucking husband. Oh, shit. <laughs> Damn. And then, like, she has this super scary persona of this demon lady to scare you to do what she says. Dude, I think you're onto something, though. Like, how could you get revenge for your whole family being murdered? So this lady goes and summons her dead family to haunt people who haunt, who, uh, didn't even just affect people from her family, but just the Holocaust in general, people who do bad things. She really haunts them, but anyone else who comes into her box, she still f***s with them because she wants to be buried, but she maybe knows that these people didn't do her family harm. So I'm not going to completely kill everybody. Damn. Damn. It was a good episode today. It was. That was good. Dan, your theory, dude, that was good. My Asian numbers started clicking. (laughs) (laughs) And people think I'm the number lady. But no, I mean, so if it is real, that's scary. But if it's not, Kevin did a really good job connecting the shit. I'm just saying, if it is not real. But I don't know. I I feel like there's something paranormal about that. There is. It was a good episode. You got anything else either of you want to add before we roll on to Hans's on the scene? Don't mess with spirits. Ooh. Respect them. Nice. Don't go to estate sales. I love estate sales. <gasps> yeah, I like estate sales. Dude, I found a septarian sphere for all my crystal people. They'll know. And it's a ball. I mean, it's, a, it's like a DBZ ball, right? And this thing probably would have caught, if I went to the shop and bought it, easy, 60 bucks. It was $2 and like 50 cents. Dang. Yeah, it's bigger than that. It's like, I can hold it in my whole, I could throw it at you and you would probably die. Holy shit. It's like throwing an ashtray. <laughs> All right. So now we will move on to Hans is on the scene. Now, if you aren't familiar with Hans is on the scene, Hans is our in the field reporter that gets interviews from individuals about the ongoing conspiracies throughout our world and current happenings. So he does have a brand new microphone today. So you'll be hearing some excellent audio. And uh, we'll take a listen to that right now. Boy Hans on the scene, here to hear a Bigfoot story from a guy named Ethan. Ethan, tell me your Bigfoot story. Okay, so one time we were out hunting. Uh-huh. And we was coyote hunting. And I shot a coyote. It's probably 150, 200 yards out there. And as I was going, we were spotlighting it. And all of a sudden, I hear this, 
boom, boom, boom. I was like, what the fuck is that? Well, as we're sitting there, I hit the spotlight on where that coyote had dropped. And, dude, there's a tree about the size of about four inches, man. And it starts shaking. And then it rips over. And I was like, what the fuck was that? And as it's, like, steadily, dude, I'm watching these trees just break. There ain't no cows in there. There was no pigs in there. There was nothing. I'm telling you right now, I don't know what it was. I think it was Bigfoot. Had to have been, dude. Probably the scariest moment I've ever been on in my entire life on it, dude. I swear it had to have been Bigfoot, though. So that was all. All right. Well, thank you so much. That's such great quality. I love that. That mic. That mic is so good. Honestly, it is beautiful. Huge difference. First off, I want to say, Ethan, Hans told us a bit about some of your theories and things. And I got to say, I love, I love what you got going on in your brain. This story sounds crazy as shit. Um, I know you were asking what I looked like. Anything you imagine, that's exactly what I am. Ooh, so nice. you just keep Ooh. keep listening. We love your support. You're freaking awesome. I was going to say something, but I don't know what else. Rock on. Insert image here. That might have been Bigfoot. He might have been in his territory. He was probably, that was probably his pet. You're lucky you survived. I'm just saying. <laughs> I just imagine you coming out in all sorts of chains and leather, Dan. Help me. <laughs> you shot his pets. Now I have to be his pet oh, again. No. You're like uh, Princess Leon in uh, Deborah Hut. <laughs> Bigfoot, I will not choke you with the chain, I mm. promise. Nice. The, the trees were shaking because that's what you were attached to when you were trying to get free. Thank you. Hans for your beautiful interview and thank you Ethan for the beautiful story if you have any more please get together with Hans again and share whatever more stories that you would like to share with us we'd love to hear them definitely seriously that mic oh that was the best audio from Hans yet yes sorry that took us a couple weeks to get him back on but the mic was what we needed because we want the quality to be just as perfect as when you guys hear it from us so now yeah, we had a test. No, out. that was the first one, and that was perfect. I love it. Yeah, it's great. All right, so now we're gonna roll into shoutouts this week. All right, I'll start off with some uh, Instagram shoutouts. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Darwin's Deviations. They said, uh, "Going back to listening to how good you guys are uh, after a long pause, I kind of forgot how good you are." Uh, especially your refusal to monetize, and yet you work your asses off. I'm aware of that now since I make my own podcast and how tough it is. Well, thank you, Darwin, for the love. Hey, that's a guy that has, like, a pretty good thing starting off, right? We listened to his first few episodes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Dude, I liked what you were doing. I like your sounds. I like your different characters. Like, I like it all. So good luck to you on that, man. Um. Ascension suggested uh, as a Patreon member that we'd cover the Vatican. I think we have that coming up on our list, right, of scheduled episodes. So it should be coming up we here do. pretty shortly. So you'll get that one. Um, Will just said, hey, you guys are awesome. I'm a Patreon member, but I'm sad because I'm running out of content. He's ran through them all. Dang, dude. Putting in work. You know, we're pushing them out as quickly as we can. We appreciate you're a Patreon member and you're getting all the bonus episodes. Um, but he also mentioned the Akashic Records. We're going to have to put that down as an episode. So I know we have That's a couple good. free spots in our um, season three episodes. So we could put that down as one of them. Um, che said, hey guys, or Chi, or Chai, Che. 
Sorry if I pronounce your name wrong. Uh, big fan of the podcast, but for some reason the episodes start like at episode 18. I can't find 1 through 17. Like we said we, before, we pulled episodes 1 through 17 due to getting a ton of bad reviews for quality. Our microphone quality and all that was just crap through those episodes. So we decided to pull those, and we're redoing them now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trey B. said, Dan, I'm currently listening to you talk about the Marfa, Mar- Marfa Lights. As it turns out, my pops is, a, is on a hunting lease out there between the towns of Marfa and Alpine. I've been that out there with them, and you can see lights uh, during the nighttime. It scared the shit out of me the first time I saw them. Now to get to my point, while listening to you, I came up with my own theory. Marfa is really, really far west in Texas, not, f- not far from uh, New Mexico. And New Mexico, of course, has Dulce Base and a lot of other weird shit. West Texas nights are as clear as can be. Makes me wonder. Love it. Love the show. Keep it up. Does make sense. Far west Ooh. Texas, you got New Mexico and all those other Roswell. I mean, Texas do have some clear skies down there. Yeah, they do. Um, William C. said he loves the podcast. Thank you. Shout out to Amanda. She said uh, she loves the podcast and sent a theory about the Fallon uh, cancer cluster and said that she lived in India or Indiana and couldn't help but think about this thing or about the cancer cluster there in Franklin, India or Indiana. And she sent a link and she says she loves the show. So thank you for that. Um, shout out to David V. Shout out to the housewife. Have you ever looked into the car's extended warranty? I don't know if that's a theory or not. I have never heard of that. I mean, I get calls all the time about my extended car warranty. Yeah, I'm thinking that that in itself is it. Like, why do we all get harassed about our car insurance warranty? Like, what is the conspiracy behind that? Because is yours actually expiring? I thought they were just scams. Yeah, well, they are. They are. But why are they having them is the question. Mm-hmm. Then I always get a call about, uh, we have questions about your Google business. What business? Someone making money under my name. Give me my portion. That's right. All right. Shout out to Manny, Cirrus, Zach, William, Lloyd, Lathe, Jen, Kevin, Familia, Zach, Prius, Adam, Cass, Brian. Cody, Sheanne, James, Rachel, Joseph, Steve, JC, Alex, Jessica, Alyssa, Sergio, and Malcolm. Thank you all for your love and support. And I just want to say you are all amazing. All right, Dan, who do you got for Facebook shoutouts? All right. The first one I'm going to go with is Chris R. And it's mostly to Anna. <laughs> shepherd's pie i was gonna talk about that you go ahead though i was gonna apologize for my mistake to my lovely you know what i'll let you have it then well i was very politely corrected i don't have his name on here what's his name chris i go chris r okay chris r so he very politely messaged dan and said that he was listening to the most recent podcast and anna has offended me i'm the resident british shepherd if you guys remember She's insulted all British farmers. Shepherd's pie is made of lamb and is English, not Scottish. A beef shepherd's pie is called cottage pie. Needed to get that off my chest. 
Um, he said, anyways, love you all uh, and what you're doing. You guys are awesome. Don't miss an episode. Cheers, guys. And I think, okay, I know I said it was Scottish. I even confirmed. I was like, isn't it? But I'm pretty sure I did say that the, like, the American version is the one with beef and it's cottage pie. But maybe I'm mistaken. Either way, I will own that because <laughs> I knew I like that it. there was some sort of, there was a difference between a shepherd's pie and a cottage pie. I'm pretty sure that we were probably just like, yeah, it's Scottish. <laughs> okay. So shout out to Melanie W, Philip H, Aubrey C, Lexi F, Ryan A, Michael N, Brian G, then of course, Kaiser Kose. Shout out to him. Molly B, Nathan K, and Chrissy H. Then shout out to Billy Willie, Bigfoot 2024, brother. Billy Willie. Then, uh, and then uh, Logan M, he had a question for us. He asked if we think it's intentional or related that the plane that, uh, the plane that the monkeys or the lemurs live in in the kids' movie Madagascar, the fact that the parts were washed up on the Madagascar from the missing Malaysia flight, if there's like any connection with that. Ooh, I've Which, not. Well, I've, maybe I've seen Madagascar a long time ago. A long ago. time ago, but. I never put the two to two together because, you know, honestly, I didn't think about that. that. But I mean, are they trying to be like another Simpsons trying to predict something happening here? Yeah, yeah. Very possibly. Then uh, my last shout out goes to Lindy S. Shout out to our second grade teachers and Tejas. She wanted me to give them a shout out. She's the one that uh, had the very long message that I showed you guys. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for that. That was a really, really nice message. I really enjoyed when you read that to us. Yes. Thank you. Love you. Yep. So shout out to Spencer, bro, and Pattison. Bro. Bro. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. I looked it up. I tried to pronounce it right. But Lindy and Macy, much love. Teach them kids. That's the end of yours, Dan? Yep. That is the end of mine for Facebook. All right. So, Anna, who do you have for shout outs this week? Dude, my Twitter has been blowing up apparently. I would get like maybe 20 notifications from episode to episode. And I'd look today and I had like five new messages I need to look at, which isn't a lot, but for here it is. All right. So for Twitter shout outs, I have got a lot of new followers. Armando, Austin, Harry9x, um, Azrael, the silent angel. Wake up, that guy, Brandon, who recently joined our Discord. Welcome. He's the guy that's, shh, the NSA is listening. Um, Richard Noggin, he suggested our podcast if people like uh, conspiracy theories, paranormal things of that nature, and that were very informative. Thanks, man. Um, and Jelly, they said, I've been hoping y'all would do one over the Marfa lights. Y'all read my mind. That's all Dan right there. Your buddy Satan said, when can we see your beautiful mugs? Dirty Tony and the boys would like to know Dirty who Tony. we're masturbating to. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, one day, one day. Maybe you guys could be so lucky. Oh, heck dog. Shout out to you. Uh, Molly and your husband. Shout out to you guys. Twitter's moms said, am I the only one that thinks Hans sounds like the... Sounds like Christian Slater. I, I want to look him up and see if he looks like him too. Yeah, we got a lot of Instagram comments on that episode saying that Hans sounded like Christian Slater. A lot of people loved Hans. 
Yeah. He was a great addition to this th- that week. He was. Um, Steady Dreamin', always giving us love on there. Um, I know I have a lot more shout-outs, you guys. I need to organize them better. But, you know, I appreciate all y'all. I love you. Thank you so much for, for messaging me. Uh, I still, like I said, need to get back to emails and more messages. Uh, just give me time, and I will definitely get back to you. Yep. All right. Well, for right now, that's all I have. I'll play makeup. Please, guys, feel free to message me again if you want to shout out. Sometimes those emails and stuff, they just add up and I go through and I try to figure out where we had that conversation. So I will never be offended if you reach out to me again and say, hey, could I get a shout out this week? It would actually probably be easier for me if you reminded me. Yeah, so, same, with, same with me. Same with me. We try. We really do. All right, so that's the end of the shout-outs in today's episode. So I just wanted to thank you for joining us today. And again, thank you for the support. You are amazing, every single one of you. So with that being said, Anna, you want to help me roll us out? Hell yeah. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you are not alone.